What's up, Dashley fam? Welcome back to Taking Sides, the Marriage Podcast. Today, we are excited because we are sitting down with an actual relationship coach, Jonathan Asley, to answer some of you guys' questions. We had a podcast with Jonathan on our other podcast, Big Little Life with the Dashleys, and we really enjoyed our conversation with him. So we invited him to be over here as well to answer some of your guys' relationship questions. And it was really, really good. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation, answering some of your guys' questions with Jonathan Asley. All right, everybody, we are here with Jonathan Asley. Uh, Jonathan, good to have you back on the podcast again. Oh, so honored. I love you both so much. I had such a great time last time. <laughs> Man, thank you. If you guys haven't didn't listen to our podcast on our, our, our episode on our other podcast with Jonathan on Big Little Life, go and check that one out. Um, we titled it What I Wish We Knew About Self-Love and Self-Worth Before We Started Dating. And that's on Big Little Life where Jonathan uh, just shared a little bit of his dating expertise and wisdom with us and about self-love and self-worth and then just how to approach the dating scene in today's world. And now we have Jonathan over here on Taking Sides where we're going to answer some of your guys's relationship questions. Dallin and I always say that our advice is unqualified and we're just really excited to bring you someone whose advice might actually be qualified <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just want to say, I mean, much of what I've learned is self-taught, but I have over 20,000 hours of coaching and, and workshops and books that I've read. So I, I still consider myself self-taught, but I spend a lot of time in the relationship realm. So still puts you above us, Jonathan. Well, I enjoyed actually giving you two advice the last time we talked. I know. It was good advice too. It was really good. Yeah. And we put it into practice since then and it's helped yeah. us. So yeah. Great. Right. All right. Well, let's dive into some questions without further ado. This one is from Kennedy. And the the subject line is advice about the right time, quote unquote. She says, okay. hello, Dashleys. My name is Kennedy, and I love you guys, and I've learned so much about relationships from your podcast. Well, thanks, Kennedy. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost two years and have talked about marriage in the future and how our lives would fit together slash what it would look like. However, I am ready and know I want to marry him, but he is not so sure when he will be ready, which is completely fine, of course. Everyone moves at their own pace, but he is the type of person that everything has to be perfect and in place before going into something big. Oh, Jonathan, I feel like this is such a good question for you. <laughs> oh, what do you tell your people who are dating someone? And if you're still working with them, they come to you and they say, they're not ready to commit, but I am. What do I do? <laughs> well, I love this question because it reminds me of, uh, so real quickly, as a dating and relationship coach for women predominantly, and I mostly work in the midlife arena, which is after baby making years and before retirement, but I get a sense that this is a younger couple, if you will. I often ask women, uh, or women come to me and go, Jonathan, I'm in a relationship and I want more commitment. I'm like, great. What does that look like for you? But Jonathan, I just want more commitment from him. I'm like, great. What does that look like for you? But I just want him to give me more commitment. And so so I, my question is, what does that look like for you? And it sounds like she already has an idea what that is. That means starting a family. Marriage. Um, marriage and start. Well, I'm getting a sense. She didn't say children. Did she say children? I can't remember. I don't think so. She, she, said, she wants to do. Yet. She, she wants, just wants to okay. get married. married. Okay. Getting married. But here's the thing about marriage is that this is a humongous commitment. And there are a lot of moving parts before getting married that one must consider. It's one of the reasons why I definitely recommend the book by John Gottman called Eight Dates. Love Eight that Dates. book. We literally just, just read book. this. 
Yeah. And what I love about that book, so for the person that wrote this question, is it gives you an idea of the eight most important areas of where relationships fail. So these dates are actually creating conversations around these topics. Now, for the man who's that perfectionist, here's the problem is <laughs> there is no such thing as perfect. Yeah, there is no such thing as like waiting till something feels, you know, perfect before you make that choice. There's an element of marriage where you have to take a leap of faith. And maybe this person has a fear centered around marriage in and of itself. So what I might want to find out is, is there any fear around marriage? Now, it could be that he comes from a divorce family or he's seen a number of relationships that fail. So there's an inherent fear that's blocking that. Uh -huh. This is why I encourage the book and buying two copies, one for each of you, and saying, let's do this as a way to build our relationship together to see if we're a good fit for the long term or not. And women in particular, you have to be willing to walk away, and, and men too, but willing to walk away from a relationship if you don't see the future through the same window. Yeah. And that's where this book helps you define what that future looks like. Yeah, the book uses the word compatible a lot. And it's not like yeah. it's never perfect, but it's like compatible. And like you support each other, like in trust and, and like commitment and um, your vision for family and like all the, uh, the eight things are just like the biggest things and even how to approach conflict. And um, and like our therapist that we meet with weekly, he always he always says exactly what you said, like there's no such thing as perfect. It's not a destination you arrive at. It's the journey that you go on together and like that you've arrived once you are both in the journey together that this is it yeah. so like those eight those eight uh conversation topics in in the book the eight dates by by john gottman um like once you go through these and you feel like you're compatible on those eight things i'd say then you know that you can take the leap of faith and and take the next step with this person and hopefully like your husband feels the same way mm -hmm. yeah and you know someone who or, isn't willing to do this book Someone who isn't willing to invest in the relationship, I would say done. Like if someone isn't like someone you've introduced this converse into the conversation and someone says, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't do things that way. I do things a completely different way. That's that's a rigid mindset. And that's going to carry throughout the entire relationship. So my invitation is if someone actually wants to spend time with you, then they're going to want to embrace what you like as well. So if someone is really rigid and they say, I don't do therapy or I don't do this then you know what? Be willing to walk away because that's when the real test of how much they care about you sometimes is determined when you're willing to say, I care about me more than I care about the we, if the we isn't on the same page. Man. Yeah. That's like, I'm always hesitant to like <laughs> suggest that as an option unless it's like dire, but I guess that applies more to marriage than just dating, you know, well, but you seem to suggest that as more, more like a, as a, more of an option than I am willing yeah. to say like freely. Well, because hey, look, once you're in marriage and you have children, that's a big commitment. I think right. once you have children like the two of you do, then then it's it's important for them. Quite frankly, there's more than just the individual. There's a real unit there. Mm -hmm. And it's worth the investment. And what's great about the two of you going to therapy, most likely what I'm assuming here is when you're there, you're able to sometimes it's just hard to be able to express 
what's really going on inside. And the therapist has the tools because they've spent so much time learning about this on getting it out of each of you so you can each hear one another. And once you can be seen, heard, and understood, it's it's easier to navigate even the because we are going to have differences. Yeah, totally. And that's what's great about a, going to a good therapist is they help you communicate to each other. Uh-huh. So or like with each other. 6 months ago when I would have heard this, I would have kind of been like, "Oh wow, he seems you know, like he's it seems like he's being kind of a jerk and he should want he should be in love with you as much as you're in love with him." But what yeah. I hear now after therapy, we've been learning all about emotional intimacy. And I just want to know like what you were saying, is there a fear around this? Like I don't there shouldn't be any like I don't know what's going on in his brain about this. I have no idea. There's sh- you should yeah. know. Like you should have these conversations like how do you feel about marriage? What are what are your fears? What are your excitements? What does your timeline yeah. look like in your perfect world? And this is what mine looks like. And then it's kind of just so you both understand each other very very thoroughly on this topic instead of having all these questions I don't know what he's thinking. This is what I assume. He just thinks I want to get married for X, Y, Z, but he doesn't really know. I think you should just really have a very safe conversation about timelines and dreams and hopes and wishes and fears and just all the feelings surrounding marriage. So you guys are very crystal clear on what that looks like for each person and how you can come together. Breaking it down to an emotional level. Yeah. If you're having regular sex, then if I don't think anything is off the table. In other words, you should be able to express exactly how you feel about anything. And I don't mean you vomit information, but if you have a fear for someone, you're, if, if you're having intimacy with someone, you should never be afraid. And not to suggest she was afraid in, her, in that message, but never be afraid because if it's sincere and from the heart, you can never say the wrong thing to the right person. Yeah, no, I totally I agree. Totally so where agree. is like, where is the line between seeing the potential in somebody and like, and deciding, and deciding maybe we're not compatible. Deciding that you don't want to like wait for that or or like work on that or or hope that it comes, you know? You know, it's interesting. The idea of seeing the potential, right? In yeah. other words, that's that's a fantasy. It's you like know, that's ho- a kind of counting on them changing. Yeah. Well, first off, there's an old adage: men marry women hoping they don't change and women marry men, hoping they do change. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I didn't write that. I just heard that. Uh, Now here's my thing is never marry potential. Marry, you know, in other words, don't choose a, don't choose a partner based on potential. Okay. Choose based on what you know about a person. And if they're, because here's the thing about change. I'm all, I'm a believer that we all have a capacity to grow past our unhealthy ego into our loving. I'm going to say that one more time. Unhealthy ego into our loving. We all have a capacity to grow. Um, But to expect someone to change or maybe grow is it's not your responsibility. It's an individual responsibility to grow. So if there's one who expects someone to change, there's a, a friend of mine once said, expectation is the mother of disaster and desperation is her sister. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So never expect something because you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, 
And and this is where, you know, a, a healthy relationship has a level of compromise. In other words, compromise means trade-offs. What are you going to, I'm going to trade this for that. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're, um, we're learning all about that. Therapy. Yeah. And it's, by the way, it's healthy compromise, not unhealthy compromise. Yeah. Right. So I would never compromise in character traits. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend of mine, she dated a man who was quite frankly, he was rude to waiters and waitresses and just rude. I mean, that was a character flaw and that kind of carried, actually, he had that same rudeness with her friends. This is a character flaw. Yeah. Not, um, you know, they don't make their bed every morning. <laughs> I don't know if right. that's a character flaw, right? That's just, that's a preference, you uh -huh. know? Uh, but a character flaw is is something where you go i this is unacceptable behavior uh, and gotcha. i'm not a big proponent of trying to wait for someone's behavior to change yeah I well totally actually agree. making a bet is a behavior too but, <laughs> no, but like, i mean character behavior versus in, you know task behavior yeah like in down and i's own marriage like we've had the, a big fight not it's just kind of been always there surrounding like where we want to live but that's not necessarily a character thing. Like no matter where we live, like I know Dallin is like a good kind person who ha who like values responsibility and, and being like a co-leader in our home. Like I know that about yeah. him, but the fight over like where we live is just, that's not a character based fight. Like no matter okay, where so we that's live. That's a better way of explaining it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's definitely good insight. Cool. Well, I think, uh, Kennedy take this advice and just go and, and, have a very eat like just open up and just say it from a point of how you're feeling and really ask him how he's like how he's feeling and yeah, I think from a is, place of love not not like judgment or uh, you know yeah this is a hard conversation to have because it might kind of be a deal breaker conversation for her if his answer is I don't ever want to get married so I well, think people just, shy away from it but it should be a conversation you embrace so that you can either move forward or potentially move away from that relationship and find one that fulfills you more and, and lines up with your life better. Yeah, she just exactly. And two years is plenty enough time. You know, I'm, I'm a believer that it's, by the way, it takes most men in their twenties and thirties, somewhere around two and two and a half years. That's kind of the average where they consider marriage. So it sounds like they're right at that space, but I say going three, four or five, you know, you could be waiting a long time, yeah. <laughs> right. hoping for someone. In other words, if you know, know what you want in your life and then ask, hey, do you want the same things as what I want? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And like Kennedy's boyfriend may in his mind be like, she's crazy. She only thinks about marriage. But there's probably a thousand other guys. There's so many who are things. in the same place as Kennedy looking for a committed relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Kennedy. Break it down to emotions. Get how he feels because there's a lot under the word marriage for him that, and a lot under the word marriage for you. And you guys should understand that, that context together. Good luck. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Stay tuned for more Taking Sides, the marriage podcast. All right, here is our next question. This is uh, titled Pre-Marriage Woes. All right. All right. They say, hi, big fan of your podcast. My fiance and I have been engaged for over a year. We were supposed to get married in April, but it is now postponed to November. Hmm. He and I moved in a few months ago. We had a huge argument and he kicked me out. 
Oh, geez. Oh, wow. Okay. After kicking me out, he said his mom wanted to meet with me and my parents. Um, during this meeting, his mom basically was saying, I am not good enough for him. I'm so I uncomfortable just I don't reading cook this. Enough. Oh my gosh. I am not good enough for him. I don't cook enough. I don't clean. I don't bring home enough money. He has an associate's degree and I have a master's degree, so I'm livid. <laughs> I'm oh, also upset because the money thing, he expects me to put 2K into a joint account every month. Mine, sh- don't oh, put man. money together till you're don't married. Don't share money till you're married. <laughs> All right, 2K into a joint account every month. Mind you, we weren't paying rent because it's his mom's apartment. So we had a big fight afterwards because I really, really hate his mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. His mom also said I accused her son of kicking me out. Why is his mom a part of this conversation? Yeah, so now I moved back in. He told me he will look down on me if I'm living in his mom's place when I don't like her and that I should pay her rent. So I've been writing out checks, not knowing if he's pocketing the money or his mom. We've been together for three years. My foot is halfway out the door. I don't know what to do. Everyone says his mom's behavior will only get worse when we marry, especially since he doesn't stand up for me. FYI, he doesn't think his mom said anything bad to me, and I'm just being spiteful. Well, I don't. I think his behavior Whew. might be worse than his mom's. Wow. First off, can I send this uh, writer a big, gigantic Jonathan Bear hug? Right. Seriously. I, I just want to. I really want to just love on her because this just feels pa- that felt painful to hear yeah. that literally felt painful I'm, to know that this dynamic is i mean because i don't see any of this getting better with marriage you know there's this belief that things get better with marriage and it's like almost this is just setting up for disaster by the way i don't really appreciate that someone can kick you out you know no, i don't like I know. that if you've made a, a you've made a commitment to live together one per, now i did hear though that this was the mother's apartment or something like that yeah but that is such an inconsiderate thing that he did kicking her out I mean, that's not cool. I mean, if you're lip move in together then you have a conversation about maybe taking a break from one another as you resolve this but there's this person sounds this man sounds very controlling and i mean you heard that right yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah sounds controlling and then it's all about money and interesting going back to the book eight dates that we just talked about there's a huge conversation about money and relationship and i highly recommend reading that because this is already becoming uh, a complicated um relationship that doesn't sound very loving at all Mm-mm. it should yeah it's like what do you man what do you think about i i struggle with this a little bit at the beginning too like taking like moving from loyalty for, to your mom and family to loyalty to your you know fiance um it sounds like he is like strongly siding with his mom not even like yeah. a little bit backing her up like that's i'd say that's i that's mean rough. like we had a similar it was very it was not Definitely this not conversation this but bad. It was a conversation with Dallin's mom where Dallin didn't really stand up for me right yeah. when we were announcing our engagement. And I've it has taken me so long to even not be mad at Dallin about that. It was such a like a betrayed feeling to sit there and have someone say something to me that hurt me and then to like look over at Dallin and he was just kind of like, uh. um, so I just. I really, yeah, I would say if you're going to stay with this guy, just don't live in the mom's apartment. And if you're going to stay with this guy, you need to have a lot of conversations about like loyalty, loyalty, how you treat me. If this is like, I cannot be kicked out of a home that I live in with you. 
I, I'm not expected to put money into an account that I'm not comfortable putting money into. I should know yeah. where my rent money is going. It Gosh. shouldn't be this mystery thing. It's like he has a lot of preconceived role, like role things that he's already yeah. making his wife fit into. If I'm paying rent, you're paying rent. It's not just my mom doesn't like you, so you need to pay rent and I don't need to pay rent. I sense that Jonathan is yeah. itching to say a lot of things. No, you know what is funny? I was thinking about the movie Crazy Rich Asians, I think it was, uh -huh. where this man wants to marry the and the mother was just so against it. But he just finally stood up to his mother. And I mean, bottom line is this is your life mate. Okay. This is your life mate. Uh -huh. And if you're not choosing them, I'm not saying you choose a person over your family per se, but you say, hey, this person is important to me. I'm choosing this as my life partner. I want you, to, I don't want to say the word need you, but I want you to embrace this person. That's number one. Number two, and you both are so dead on about the commingling of money. Um, until you're actually, you got that ring on the finger, that is not a good idea uh -uh. because when 50% of divorces cite money as one of the biggest issues, I, that's why I recommend the book eight dates, because it's really important to have these deeper conversations about money. And it sounds like he has an expectation and she's like, I'm not comfortable with this expectation yet. Which and is until fine. you have a real like Pardon she, me? I said she she doesn't have to be comfortable with every expectation he has. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's called a conversation and agreements and not my way or the highway, because any relationship that's my way or the highway usually ends up on the highway <laughs> in uh, the other direction. Yeah, it sounds like this is a whole lot of his yeah. like doling out this is what i expect this is what i expect this is what i expect and her just having to be okay with it or he she gets kicked out that's like yeah. uh it sounds like a lot of like tradition and expectations and roles that he's really putting on her and that she's not comfortable with it doesn't really sound like yeah. he's he's building a relationship it sounds like loving. He's, it's not very loving it's at not all loving no it's like an it's like bringing in a i don't know like a maid into his life or something like that i don't know like <laughs> It shouldn't be choosing between her and his family because he's choosing to make her his family. So they everyone should yeah. be on an equal plane. If not, she's put higher because she's the life mate. Like they're the ones building a life together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I mean, I'd say that the subject line is correct. This is definitely a pre-marriage woe. Um, yeah. It might be a blessing that the marriage was postponed. And I would just say if... That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. And so, man, I, gosh, like, how would you, how many people have gotten married because they're pot committed? You know, I was thinking about in poker terms, there's something called pot committed. In other words, and it's like really not the healthy choice. And they spend on average of 12 years in the average pot committed marriage ends up going for 12 years before they realize that they're incompatible with one another. Does that mean you have a lot of money in the pot? And so you don't want to give up well, on it or exactly. Me. In other words, in this case, it's a lot of effort or investment. You know, that's oh. the investment of time and emotion, but a marriage and you two know, this is all about partnership. It's about working. It's about being teamwork with one another. It's about seeing the future through the same window. This is, and, and what I'm here to say is a lot of years get wasted people because they're pot committed. In other words, they, they feel like I've made, you know, we're going down this path. They get into it only two things. A, they don't know themselves very well. They're with partners that don't know themselves very well. 
And they don't know how to resolve conflicts with one another in a healthy way. And they end up divorced and then miserable for another decade after that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm be, I want to be protective of this person because like I started this conversation, I want to give her a big hug because yeah. what's missing and I'm not hearing is any loving. Right. It doesn't sound just a like a lot of expectation. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It should be a friendship yeah. first and foremost. And it just doesn't sound like yeah. they're even on a friendship level. Like you, you said crazy yeah. rich Asians. That's so funny. Cause I thought of the exact same thing as I was reading this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she and that's a feel... really good example of like a lot of family expectations being put on the fiance that the, finally the, the, the guy, I forget his name in the movie. He's like, that's enough. Like she yeah. is a good girl. Like, like this is our life together. And like, if you don't love her and, and if you can't get rid of all these expectations, then like, then we're done. Like I'm, I choose her, you know, and cause the mom's being really unrealistic. So, right. and very unloving. Yeah. You should feel cherished and loved and secure in your relationship. And if you don't feel that in this, I would, I would walk. I would definitely be grateful that, that the marriage was postponed and see this as a huge sign that, man, I, and the, but again, this is the only decision that you can make, like pray about it and, and, and go with, follow your heart. But I'd say this is a pretty big red flag that you're going to want to get a lot of context in or, you know, choose, choose your own happiness over this. All right. Good luck. You, we know you could do this and it's a hard thing, but like you got this. All right, let's move on to the <laughs> next question. Um, this is called the next step. All right. Hey guys, my name is Caroline. I love your vlogs and I've recently started listening to both of your podcasts. And while listening to them, I know I started noticing things about my relationship that I need a little help with. All right, cool. Uh, My boyfriend and I have been together for four years since high school. Okay. So she has a boyfriend. All but the first five months of our relationship have been long distance with our colleges being 10 hours apart. Oh man, it's taken a toll on me and leading to us being apart for a couple months. Oh, apart for a couple months, I guess, really so the relationship wise. The breakup seemed to build our relationship stronger and now have been talking about getting engaged and married for about a year now. The problem is I know exactly what I want in life. My boyfriend, on the other hand, does not. I'm such a planner. Uh, let me just interject here. You feel like he doesn't know what he wants in life because <laughs> that's only you can't put that on him. Okay, I'm such a planner and that worries me. He's not ready to move to the next step. I'm starting to believe he won't ever be ready and second guessing myself as a result. It doesn't help that when this topic is brought up, tension builds and emotions run high. Thoughts on how to keep the tension low during these talks, long distance relationships and or how to tell we as a couple are ready for the next step. Y'all are the sweetest family. Thank you. Uh, This is kind of like the first question. Yeah, just to like jump in really fast. I don't think you're ready for it if it's not a happy idea. Like marriage should be a happy thing that you both are excited about. It shouldn't be this, if you're still kind of like fighting about it and, and it makes you guys put up your guard and get really defensive, I, I don't think well, you're ready or one of you isn't ready. So here's the thing about readiness. This is a really tricky concept. What does readiness mean? Because it used to be back in the olden times, uh, you know, like a young couple met when they were teenagers and then the, the guy would go off to make his fortune. In other words, he would leave the relationship and go out to make his fortune. In other words, and, and really what that meant was find himself. So when he came back, he was ready. This is the challenge with young love that comes out of high school because he probably has no clue who he is yet. Right. In fact, think about it. If he's 21 years, well, let's, well I'll, I'll make him 23 years old. You know, a 23-year-old has only been an adult 
five years of their life. And quite frankly, not even that because they were in college for that period of time. So he's basically a one-year-old adult. <laughs> he doesn't even know who he is yet. So when I got married. And, I, know. I know, but like, know, I hear the, that and like I feel we, like I finally same know who I am. Like, yeah, we're I, approaching 30 now. We've been saying like we finally feel like we, we're kind of grasping who we like are I'm as adults. i comfortable with myself and I know what makes me happy. Independent people. And I know what doesn't and we, I know how to love myself. Now. I got married when I was 23. Yeah. Ashley was 24. So I definitely we get what babies. you're saying and right now. And by the way, and, and I'm not to bring up and be a, like a negative Nelly here, but the divorce rate for people under 25 years old is 75%. I mean, it's ridiculously wow. high. I didn't know that. Be yeah, I get it. it's substantially higher because your children, when you get married, you know, so you're, you two are going to be the exception to the rule because you're investing into the relationship and you're seeing, for example, the fact that you're even going to therapy is an illustration that you two are fully committed to making this worth and you're going to navigate the challenges. But the average couple has no clue who they are and does very little personal development work, understanding who they are. So it's natural for him. What I'm saying is, He's there's he's not a bad guy. He just doesn't know himself yet. And so and the reason why he doesn't want to commit is because there's a fear. Right. This fear is centered around. I don't even know if I can take care of you yet. So I don't want to make a promise I can't keep. And I want to say that one more time. I don't want to make a promise I can't keep. So. This is tricky because if you're like if you're on this clock, I got to get married. I got to get married. I got to get married. Well, that goes back to what we said with the previous one, expectations of the mother of disaster. Okay. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with continuing to spend time to get to know one another, um, to learn to, to on an individual basis, learn who you are on an individual basis and navigate the we at the same time. Yeah, I totally agree. Dallin and I had that clock. Like there were like, cultural expectations, religious and family expectations, expectations to get married pretty religious fast that we grew up with thinking we needed to get married young. And I'm so happy I found Dallin and, and I'm so happy we're still married, but it was Likewise. all of this stress and expectation that I put on myself that kind of pushed us into a really fast relationship and commitment and, and kids probably when we weren't ready. And we look back now and we're so grateful for our life and for our children and for our marriage. But there's that realization that we didn't have to feel rushed and we didn't have to like push on the gas and like do things before we felt ready. And like, I mean, I think there's power in like walking into fear and finding out what's on the other side, but there are, I think sometimes we push ourselves through it too fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Carolyn, uh, it sounds like you really want to get married. Um, I would take some time to self-examine, you know, why that is and let your, uh, let your partner do the same thing and uh, just have a discussion breaking it down on an emotional level to what are your fears or feelings or emotions behind the idea of marriage and, um, and really just break it down on an emotional level. And so like, and th definitely read the, the eight dates by John Gottman that we've been talking about, because that'll help you have like eight crucial conversations that help, you know, like if you are compatible in all those things and you feel good about it, then like, yeah, take the next step of faith. If you feel ready for it, you feel like God's guiding you that way. And you like are, are confident in, in you, in each other. I've got another book I want to recommend for her. And this is a great book by Barbara DeAngelis called, Are You the Right One for Me? 
I'm going to repeat it. Dr. Barbara DeAngelis wrote the book, Are You the Right One for Me? This will actually help you determine, even though you want to get married, I'm going to say, be careful focusing on the marriage and focus on, is this the right person for me? Mm-hmm. And this book is so well written, so well laid out to help you determine if he's the right partner for you, because a lot of people are so focused on marriage and not the right partner. Yep. Focus on your friendship. Focus on yourself. I think when Dal- when you were talking about getting to know yourself, when I finally started getting to know myself was when I finally started like trying to please myself before trying to please everyone else. And I feel like I spent my 20s and my teenage years just so worried about what people thought of me and if I was doing the things that were making everyone else happy. Doing was, things that like, like maybe the church, for example, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and they used to, they're not as much anymore, but they used to, you know, really tell people to get married really fast. Yeah. You know, it was kind of a big thing. And but I feel like they've, they've eased off on that a little bit, but it was a lot of pressure on like return missionaries getting off from their mission, like get married really fast. And as soon as I just started like in my mind, like valuing myself over that and saying, what would actually make me happy? What would actually bring me joy? What do I need to do for myself? That's when I finally started getting to know myself. And that's when Dallin finally started to get to know me because he was a, I was able to verbalize like, this makes me happy. This is important to me because of this. And that's when he was able to really get to know me too. So Mm. focus on that. I think the friendship with yourself and the, so that you can grow your friendship with your spouse or your partner or your boyfriend first. Love it. Yeah. Okay, man, this is some, this is some good stuff. This is the best episode we've ever done. (laughs) 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 This is the best advice we've ever given. This is awesome. Okay, cool. Thanks, John. Okay. Let's uh, hammer out one more, shall we? Okay. All right. Absolutely. The subject line is I know what to do, but I don't know how. So we've been married five years. We did do premarital counseling. So I am equipped with some tools of how to deal with issues. But about a year ago, my husband was talking to another woman, uh, nothing physical because they met on a game. My husband's a huge gamer, but they ended up texting and saying good morning and conversations that I think should only be between husbands and wives or people in a relationship. And then when it was all said and done, he didn't talk to her and deleted her off his gamer friends list, but his sister and her are still friends on the games. So about six months ago, they were in the same game together via her sister. And even though he said he wouldn't do it again, he ended up in a game with her. Or I just don't know how to bring it up. Why did you do it? I just feel like it's building inside me. I don't know what to say to get closure without making me seem like I'm bringing it up an old fight or discussion, but I just feel like I never got the why of it all. And how do I ask? I'm just stressed about this. I understand trust is given. And I don't feel like I need to snoop. I just feel like, why did he go down at all? And uh, always, even though we've always had a great relationship. Um, yeah, that was, man, she seems really stressed typing all this out. It's like one giant sentence. And she's, Jonathan, what do you say to people who, uh, so, okay, so she's been married for five years and yeah. um, they did do some premarital counseling and stuff. But so it sounds like he was unfaithful, not physically, but, but, uh, I don't Still know. talking to another woman and having conversations yeah. that quote unquote should only be had between that she wasn't a husband and wife that she wasn't comfortable with. And she doesn't feel like she's gotten closure and but but he doesn't seem like it's a big deal. So it's obviously bothering her a whole lot. And she doesn't know how to bring it up without being like the person well, who- I'm gonna wreck I'm going to recommend a book that's so kind of like, I, I want to recommend a book here. It was actually written by my ex-girlfriend oh, of wow. all people. Dr. Sherry Myers wrote a book called Chatting or Cheating. You can look it up on Amazon oh, called Chatting or Cheating. For her. And it's all about what's emotional sex. 
And oftentimes when a relationship is struggling, there's, there's things going on. We want to feel connection without aggravation. And what people lean to, both men and women alike, lean into what's called emotional sex. In other words, connecting with another human being that isn't your partner because it feels safe. And that's what it sounds like. He's sharing intimate things about their relationship because to this other person, this feels safe to him. He doesn't feel safe with his partner. So why I recommend this book, first off, it gives you all the warning signs and and whether it's workplace or internet, and this sounds like a game, if you will, um, it gives you an idea where the breeding grounds are for these types of things. And it gives you some clues to determine if this is what's happening. Now, how do you have the conversation, right? right? That's really the question she has. Well, I recommend reading the book really quickly first. So go buy it right now once you hear this and go check it out. But think conversation, not confrontation. What oftentimes happens in these types of dialogues, it's immediately confrontational. And what happens when you get confronted? You get I'm gonna defensive. let you two answer that. You get defensive. Yeah. You put your guards up and then you like throw stones, essentially. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's really more about expressing what's coming up. Now, what happens is people naturally get defensive if because some people don't even realize they're having emotional sex. At the time, it seems naive. Realize seems what they're very, doing. Yes. And so this is where you want to express what's coming up and what would feel good, you know, coming back to you and I talked about this and we've the three of us talked about this in the last podcast is the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, which should have been written, the title should have been called Compassionate Communication. Huh. It's learning how to communicate your feelings of what's coming up in the most healthiest way. So really, in this particular case, share what the fear is, share what you're feeling in a non-confrontational way. And then what you're looking for, is your partner getting defensive or reacting by dismissing? Because a true partnership doesn't dismiss what you say. They lean into your feelings of fear and don't try to dismiss your feelings of fear. Because it's, I'm getting a sense she has a very valid reason to be concerned. That's why I highly recommend checking out Dr. Sherry's book, Chatting or Cheating. Right. Yeah. So what do you, if, let's say she, let's say it, it kind of, the conversation kind of reveals that she was right. What's kind of her next step in that? Well, chances are there might be a good valid reason to go seek therapy. There might be something missing or there might, when I say missing in the relationship, but there might be a disconnect going on in the marriage and it's time to rebuild your relationship. What I love about Dr. Sherry's book is it's called How to Detect Infidelity and Rebuild Love and Affair Proof Your Relationship. So what she did is the whole back half of the book is how to create a loving, awesome relationship before it ever now in this particular case before it ever leads into true infidelity or emotional sex that's why i recommend reading this book because it prepares you to have an awesome relationship that you never have to worry about because you're so fulfilled right. already in the relationship you have. yeah it's easy to kind of get defensive for her and i think she deserves people to to feel defensive for her but it's also it's harder to kind of look at the husband's side and and me, like being Maybe outside of it and not being time. emotional about it, I would want to say like, hey, like, 
I want to be your friend. Like what, what is it that's kind of stopping us from being friends? And what is it that makes you feel safer saying good morning and, and, and talking every morning and every night with, with this person versus me when I'm, when I'm right here and I, I want to be that person for you. And those would be good things that Most, would definitely be uncovered in therapy. Yeah. Y- yeah. And you know what? Most relationships break down to a deficiency in the following three things, which Dr. Sherry talks about. She calls it the three A's attention, affection, and appreciation. Usually when relationships break down, it's because there's not a daily dose. This is the daily vitamin every relationship needs to care to be a fair proof is attention, affection, and appreciation on a daily basis. And I suspect that's probably what's not happening in this dynamic. Partly, you know, there's work, there's life, everything getting in the way, but the relationship we talked about this the last time, is a separate entity. And there's a you, there's a me, and then there's the we. The we is sacred. And treating the we special and requires an investment from both people to make it a healthy, happy, long-term, uh, loving partnership. And it requires effort. It requires, I don't like using the word word, the word work. I, rec- I like the word effort. It requires effort. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Attention, affection, and appreciation. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What is a, what would appreciation look like on a day-to-day basis? Like, I guess if, if they're away, like a simple text saying, I miss you or thankful, thank you for taking out the trash before work, stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. I would like to remove the word thank you out of our vocabulary because thank you goes on deaf ears. We hear thank you all day long. We're at the grocery store. We hear thank you. We hear thank you when, you know, some, yeah. I mean, in all different ways. But the two, two, three words, appreciation, gratitude, and grateful. Earlier today, I wrote an email to a friend of mine. It clearly said, I'm so grateful that you've been in my life because you made a big difference. And I just wanted to share my appreciation. Those are powerful words. Mm-hmm. That would make Gratitude. somebody's day Any, to receive well, that. Yeah, like... She wrote me back. She goes, what a lovely email to wake up to. Yeah. And <laughs> because it's one thing to say thank you because we it's almost thank you is so benign. Because we hear it from everybody, uh, but I'm that. here to encourage the powerful words are gratitude, grateful, and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Dallin's been reading The Eight Dates, and he's been coming up and saying a lot of things to me lately. I think that the book is like encouraging him to say, I think they're his words. But I'm just learning a lot, and I just... No, I'm I, what to, I'm getting at is he came to up to me it. the other day and just said, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I am so proud like to be your husband yeah. and to be married to you. And, and I Aww. think you're just so amazing. And I want you to know that I'm your cheerleader in life. And it, it like, I was just floored. I didn't even know what to say. And like, he says, thank you to me all the time. But that was like a new level of appreciation that I've never, like, I assume it and I hope for it, but I had never heard that before. And like, I've never said that to him. I like, I didn't, I, I'm grateful for this book for like kind of giving him those words and like they're big words that, that are so valuable in a relationship. Like I still think back on it and I get warm feelings. Yeah. Can I share a story that relates to uh, Dr. Sherry? So we, um, I was, we were in relationship for six years and it didn't work out, but um, it was the most beautiful relationship I ever had. And there was this one time she and I were speaking at a, um, we were asked to speak in an event and the topic was called, we need to talk, bringing up the touchy subjects. In other words, it was all about 
communication skills. And we went to dinner that night and we got into a major fight uh, over. This was after you broke and, up. No, this is before we broke oh, okay, up. This okay. is when we were in relationship. Okay. I'm sorry. So, um, and, and I don't want to share what the particulars, what the fight was, but it was one of those where we, by the way, we had been flown up to San Francisco from LA and we're here and she's ready to get on a plane to go home before we're supposed to speak. But, you know, oh my gosh. Night. Oh, it's the night and, before you're speaking. Yeah, it was the night before. And oh, we're boy. at the hotel and you could hear, I mean, five rooms down the hall, we we're screaming at each other. Oh man. And and she's ready to leave. And I stopped and I paused and I said, and I, I don't know what came over me. This just somehow it was a divine spirit speaking to me. And I said, I want to share five things I'm grateful for about you. And I shared number one and it was silence. Number two, silence. By number three, I could feel the ice melting that was built around her. And by the time I got to five, you know, she her head was no longer covered in ice, if you will. Right. There, there was a portrait of a solitude of ice around her. <laughs> and then I said, would you be open to sharing five things you're grateful for to me? And she shared number one, number two, and then my heart started to open. And then we could talk about what was really coming up. Now, what was interesting, what's fascinating about this share was, that ended up being our topic of conversation at our speaking again. <laughs> In other words, oh, yeah. it happened divinely for this reason. But what we both recognized is the power of expressing gratitude and the power of it. So we made a practice that every night before we went to bed, we would say five things we're most grateful for about each other as our way to kind of put an end to the day. That's that's and really that good. That makes such a big difference. It is continually expressing gratitude, attention, affection, appreciation. Man. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's great advice. We've got some solid, solid piece of advice during during this podcast from you, Jonathan. Thank you. Mm. I'd just like to apologize oh, to everyone who listens to any other podcast. But <laughs> it's just Dallin and I. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah, this is really good. Uh, Man, hopefully to the people that uh send in these questions today, we've been helpful. Take it and and apply it to your own life and bring up the conversation in in a conversation, not confrontation, to use Jonathan's uh quote. And yeah. Um, and, and just boil it down to an emotional level. You guys, this is like what our therapist has been telling us over and over and over, break it down to how you're feeling about it, not the narratives that you're telling yourself in your head and, um, and then get to how you're feeling about it and understand how they're feeling about it and don't attack their feelings, but just validate and like allow people to think their own thoughts and have their own feelings and give them permission to feel their own feelings. And then then your logical brain has something to chew on to, to bite into it and decide what you want to do because of those feelings. But until those feelings are validated, you're just going to sit there and brood on them and, and feel lonely and alone. And, and, and so hopefully this has been a helpful podcast for all of you guys. Um, thank you again to Jonathan for joining us. If you want to check out Jonathan, uh, the link to his website will be in the show notes. He's an author. He has like coaching. Uh, he offers coaching and it'll be jonathanasley.com. Um, where else can they, like, what else, Jonathan, as we end the podcast? Sure. Well, I've got uh, a YouTube channel, so you can just Google my name on YouTube. I've got a dynamic YouTube channel where I shoot three to four videos a week. I actually am launching my podcast called the What Would Love Do podcast. The What Would Love Do podcast will be launched in March of 2020, so 
Very nice. Coming up soon. And, yeah, and I'm really proud of that. And certainly, um, if you'd like to check out my book, it's on Amazon called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Awesome, Perfect. Jonathan. Those are three places. Okay. Well, oh. thank you so much again for coming on, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a good review to leave, please leave it. We appreciate them so much. And we'll see you guys or talk to you guys in our next podcast.